everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the third season of What You Said podcast. For those of you who are new, my name is Kaylee Elwell, and I am the owner of Kaylee Elwell Designs. I am an experiential brand strategist and stylist who consults small business owners on ways to elevate their customer experience. I'm really excited for the third season of What You Said. I will be bringing some super innovative, creative, and fun small business owners and their stories to your beautiful ears. So make sure to hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen. Today on the podcast, oh my God, guys, I'm so hungry just thinking about this. But today on the podcast, I have Michelle Carfagno, the owner of The Greater Need, a gluten-free, vegan, and top eight allergen-free bagel company. I currently live in Connecticut, and there's a great little health food store I shop at rather often, where one day I was looking around the freezer section to see if any new brands had come into the shop, and I was so pleasantly surprised that, in fact, yes, yes, there was this awesome little brand called The Greater Need, and they had everything gluten-free vegan bagels. My toddler and I ate the whole bag in, I think, like, two days they were so good so naturally i posted about these bagels and i tagged the brand in my instagram story and don't you know that michelle not only reposted my story but also reached out to say thank you for buying her product and loving it so much that i shared it so i knew that i had to have her on the podcast i knew that i wanted to help spread the love of her bagels and share her story and on that note Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode with Michelle Carfagno, the owner of The Greater Need. Hi, I'm really, really happy that you are going to be my first food interview. Yay. Yay. (laughs) That's cool. So you are located, you said you just moved to Newtown, Pennsylvania? Yeah, so I live in Newtown, but our business is in Ben Salem, which is in the same county. It's just a little bit closer to Philly. So Ben Salem's about 30 minutes north of Philadelphia. Do you visit Philly often? I do. I mean, before all of this. Yeah, definitely. When I started, we kind of started out like our first place that we rented was in Philadelphia. And then eventually, yeah. And then eventually I just wanted to be a little bit closer to home because unfortunately, like with traffic and all, it was just crazy. And the prices were kind of crazy. We got a lot of incentives like coming out to Bucks County. So we moved out to the place that we're at now about five years ago, two years we were in Philly. That's awesome. So what part of Philly were you in? We were in Maniunk. Maniunk. Yes. Yeah. I'm familiar. So, which, which, you know, the hardest part, honestly, was like trucking because those like hills and the snow. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Like I would slide down the hill like to get into our place if it snowed. I was just like, all right, slide down the hill, get into the driveway. It was, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was definitely Brutal. not good for like manufacturing and trucking and stuff like that. No, not at all. Such a cool place. Yes, I like Maniunk a lot. I think I only visited there a couple of times while I was at Temple University, but I mean, I worked in the historic district. Oh, cool. Pretty much the whole time I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Philly's great. I miss Philly so, so much. Where do you live now? So I'm currently in Connecticut, but in the next couple of months, I'm actually moving to Maine. That's where I'm originally from is Maine. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I went from Maine to Connecticut to New York City back to Connecticut, and then I, w- I went to school in Pennsylvania, so, <laughs> and oh, then cool. came back to Connecticut. So I've bounced all over the place, but out of all the places I've been, Philadelphia is just, you go back there, and there's just an energy about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's awesome, and Bucks County, too. I lived in Bucks County. I lived in Newtown, actually. <laughs> which is oh, you did? Such oh, a small world. I lived in yeah. Newtown, and then I lived in New Hope. Okay, yeah. Oh, I love New Hope. Yeah, New Hope is so cute. Peddler's Village, the way that they decorate it every year for all the different holidays and times of year. It's 
so cute. cute. I love it. Yeah, I would totally live there, but it's just a little further from like 95 and all of that. That like Newtown is is like as far north as I would want to be because it's still like, I mean, without traffic, you can get to the city quickly. I can get to my office in like 20 minutes. Like everything seems to be like 20, 30 minutes away. Yeah, that's awesome. New Hope is beautiful, but it's just, like, so, like, it's just off the beaten path. Newtown is great. I loved Newtown. Newtown yeah, is and awesome. Yeah, ha- when was the last time that you were here? Well, I still have family there. So I lived with my father's aunt and uncle, and they owned, okay. you know, Cozy's? Yeah. So they owned Cozy's. Okay, cool. So we would go there, and we would I would help them, you know, bust the tables. That was and right by the, the Newtown Athletic Club, right? Yes. And then I think... Okay. I want to say that there was one next to Jules Pizza. Yeah, I think there was. Yeah. That was a while ago. A long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, we're talking like 2012, 2013 was when I right. lived there. So yeah. yeah. Which is, that's actually when I moved here. I mean, I grew up in Holland actually and went to California. Oh. Rock, but then I moved away, went to school in Chicago. And then when I came back. I met my husband and he always wanted to live in Newtown. So we got a house and it was like 2013. Mm -hmm. So that's when we officially came here, but they've built it up so much in the last year. They they redid all of the shopping centers. So there's tons of restaurants. I mean, there's so much more to do now. That's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I mean, they're, they opened up a couple new ones I haven't been to yet because I'm just not trying to go out to restaurants right now, but yeah. But it's it's nice because, I mean, I like it. A lot of people are like, oh, no, I liked it when it, you know, but there was, like, not as much. There wasn't here. anything to do. Yeah, now there's so much. I mean, the restaurants are great. That Oh, my gosh, and the steakhouse that they did at the Brick Hotel. <gasps> okay, so my family used to own, way, way back in the day, we owned the Brick Hotel. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, way, way, way back in the day. But yeah, so it's still, that's awesome. I don't know, I don't know if. Like the brick is still owned by somebody else. And then the restaurant, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's called Rocco's, which is, it's a family that also owns a steakhouse in New Jersey. And so I don't know if that's like, they own the whole thing or if someone still owns the hotel part and then they own the restaurant, but oh my gosh, it's like the best steakhouse I've ever been to. Really? Have you ever been to La Stala? Yes. Oh, I I dream of La Stala. Uh, there's so many there's so many places <laughs> I know there that I, I like still uh, I love it has a special place in my heart Pennsylvania yeah for sure. totally I know and now I'm like I'm hooked because there's so many more amazing places that have opened I'm like oh this is dangerous well I just I want to eat all the time <laughs> <laughs> I bet well the next time that I come down there we'll have to go yeah absolutely. go grab some some food yeah that would be awesome so did you have a history with culinary? It, talk to me about your kind of your career path leading up to the greater need. So I didn't really have a technical training like history. I wanted to go to culinary arts school once I realized that I wanted to do something with food, but I never ended up going. But I have been baking since I was about eight years old. So Now, at that point, I wasn't doing anything too crazy. I was making like boxed cake mixes Mm -hmm. and muffin mixes and things like that. But that was always my outlet. And I think that, you know, I went to school for music business management, actually. And I was thinking about like talent management and moving to LA and like this whole other kind of life that's like so different from what I, you know, the life I have today. But I always loved baking. I just didn't think it could be a viable career. Like I felt like, okay, at some point I'm going to have a business and I'd be really cool if it was with food, but I need money before I can do that. And I need like a real career is like it. That's sort of how I played it in my head. So it really stopped me from seeing another path that I could actually do something with it. So like I, I remember I moved out when I was 18. The present that my parents got me was all these cookbooks. Like that's how much they knew that I loved it. And I wanted to move away and be independent. So I moved, you know, far away. Well, like, you know, halfway across the country to (laughs) Chicago. And I went through that book forward and back. I watched the Food Network. That was when Rachel Ray just kind of started coming about and Mm. like Emeril Lagasse and all of that. And I just fell in love with all that stuff. So I'd go to school. 
I'd come home and I'd bake a cake or, you know, experiment with something new. And it was always like baking more so than cooking, although I do like cooking as well. But I just the I loved making cakes and cookies and then, you know, eating different lifestyles for a little bit. Like I was doing low sugar, low fat, you know, always trying out the new stuff. So experimenting with those types of things. But, you know, I, I just, I just always loved it, but it took me a while to realize it could be a career. Got it. So you have bagels, bagel chips, right? Yeah. And you have flour mixes. Yeah. So we really focus on the bagels. Like that's really what we're known for and what we focus on. And then we're kind of messing around with other things to try to see, you know, what else might make sense. So our flour blend, we kind of put out there, you know, we're experimenting, we're seeing if that makes sense to really push that. So it's just available online. It's not something that you would find in the stores, but it's a nice thing to put out there for the people that really need an allergen free option because there's not a whole lot mm-hmm. there. So we may do more than, you know, more with that. And then our bagel chips are sold in Wegmans Ooh, um, and Wegmans. some smaller, yeah, and then some <laughs> smaller retailers on the East Coast. But mm-hmm. we've learned a lot of lessons with that line as well. So we're still kind of deciding what we want to do with it. It sort of didn't do what we wanted it to do or what we thought that it could. I don't oh, know okay. that, ba- like, I don't know that the average consumer is excited about bagel chips. It's like a very specific customer is what we're kind of finding. So like the people who like them are like diehard fans. So we'll see, we may or may not keep that, or we might just make some fun, creative changes, change the wording around, change the texture a little, like make it more of a cracker style, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. 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 But the bagels are our main core focus. And we really like, when I first started, we did the three main flavors that are like the most popular, plain everything and cinnamon raisin. But we realized that there were so many other flavors that people missed because especially growing up on the East Coast, there's bagel shops at like every corner and there's all sorts of flavors. So we decided to put a bunch of our other fun flavors on our website. So a lot of stores don't carry all the other flavors because there's just so many and they can't give us that much shelf space. But we have like tomato basil and French toast and a pumpkin bagel and onion and salt and poppy and garlic and, you know, so many different fun flavors. Right, right. So I and I have a million questions too about flavors. (laughs) Okay, Um, But we'll get to that in a minute. But so so talk to me about how you came up with the brand. I mean, I love the name, The Greater Need, you. and you spell it K-N-E-A-D. And yep. how, so how did you come up with this idea to make a New York style bagel? Are there other style bagels? I mean, there, well, so the like New York way of looking at a bagel is that like a true bagel is the way that it's made on the East coast and specifically in New York where Mm -hmm. it really kind of started. And that is that like good crust with the dense and chewy inside. And so other style bagels, there's Montreal style bagels. They're like bigger. I think they're in like a wood oven, um, a little bit flatter. And then there's also sort of like the imitator bagels in bagel culture. So that would be like (laughs) a, a bread bagel so a bagel like a piece of bread that's basically shaped like a bagel so one of the things that I noticed was when my sister and my grandfather were diagnosed with celiac disease which is what got my mind like into the gluten-free world that was in 2012 the biggest thing that they could not find a good replacement for was a bagel because all the competition that was doing gluten-free bagels at that time was very bread-like because that is the easier way to make a bagel. You know, you take like a bread formula, you put it in a pan that's shaped like a donut pan, basically. You do a lot of water and, you know, it holds its shape. It looks like a bagel, but taste and texture is so different from like what we grew up eating and what, you know, my family really missed. So for me, it was really important to create a New York style the right way, Mm -hmm. you know, do it the traditional way, we actually use steam instead of boiling only because it's because of the gluten-free flours and things like that. But it's, that's like the traditional way to do it is to have that water. And of course they say that the East coast water makes a bagel special. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I you think know, it is. It I could think be. It is. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's so cool. So I've been gluten-free for 
15 years. Oh, wow. And I just switched over to a more plant-based diet as of March this year. Okay. I had two-thirds of my thyroid taken out. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, the gluten-free thing happened when I was 14, 15. I just became so sick and I couldn't eat it anymore. My mom was gluten-free my whole life. So it was kind of somewhat normalized in my family to be gluten-free, but there were not options. Like growing up, there were not as many options at all. No. But then once I became vegan, I like people say to me all the time, especially (laughs) I love my in-laws so much, but they're always like, what do you even eat? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, no, I I mean, I, I can't even tell you how much healthier I feel. Oh, totally. Eating gluten-free, vegan, all that stuff. So there's so many options now. It's amazing. Like when I, even when I first started from like 2012 till now in this like eight year span, I used to have to educate people. Like my first couple customers selling to bagel shops and cafes and stuff. Like I had to educate them what gluten was. Now it's everybody knows there's so many options. I'm gluten-free and dairy-free, and I I don't feel like I miss out at all. Like, there's just – there's so much stuff, and I feel like it's only going to keep getting better and better. It's pretty amazing. Yes. I will say the one thing that I miss the most is a soft pretzel. You know, that's so funny because we talk about it all the time. So we do a lot of – you know, we're always trying to see, like, what should we do next, but I really want to be methodical about it because – yeah you know, like I was saying with the bagel chips, like we kind of jumped into it. We didn't spend a whole lot of money doing it, you know, so it, it, we didn't lose a whole lot, but it just, it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And we put a lot of time to it. So if anything, we didn't lose a lot of dollars, but we lost time and energy, you know, focusing on that. And so we like pull our customers all the time. And especially because we're Philly based. And so you have like the Philly soft pretzel all the time. People say you know, that they want a soft pretzel. And it's been like on my mind because it is a very similar process to making bagels. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the like baking soda or the lye bath. And so it's just trying to think through like how to scale right. something like that. But I think about it all the time. I'm like, uh, I think it's only a matter of time. Like we're going to have to do it. Oh my God. The minute you do it, like yeah, I, will be, you know. <laughs> I will be your quality control. Yeah. Just whatever you, you want. Yeah. I'm all about the soft pretzel, especially being in Philly and like not right. being able to eat all that stuff. I mean, I went to God, you have to go to like all the, the Philly cheesesteak places and you exactly. have to go to Lincoln financial field and go to the games and the Phillies games. And I couldn't eat anything. Like I was eating I the know. French fries and I was like, this stinks. Cause like, I know. I know. A soft pretzel to. is like the iconic Philly thing. So we just have to do it. Like it just, it just makes sense. It does. It's, still, it does. it's a matter of time. <laughs> yes. Um, so you said you're gluten-free and vegan. And then the dietary needs came from your family. That's what prompted you to make this yeah, bagel. So that's how, yeah. That's how I got into the bagel. Like I, you know, I loved baking. I kind of was like tiptoeing. Could it be a career? Like once I graduated college, I um, didn't go into the music business. I did not move to LA. I kind of was like, you know what? I'm just not passionate enough about it. And so I thought about going to law school, which is like a weird (laughs) tangent. (laughs) But then I took my LSATs. I did so terrible on them from what I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm a pretty good study. Like I was always a good student. So I really kind of like sat with myself and said, okay, what, like there's something going on here. Like this probably isn't the path that I want to be on or that I'm excited about. What is it that I really want to do? And it was like, I've, I've wanted to have a business for as long as I could remember. I had the name of my business picked out by the time that I was 17. Now, what it actually was not the greater need. So I'll explain how we eventually transitioned to that. But it was sweet note bakery the idea of like end your day on a sweet note and I had all these notebooks and sketches of what it was going to be like and at that point gluten-free wasn't exactly on the list but it was you know options for everybody like catering to different diets so I always kind of had that like niche or thought in mind no matter what sort of restriction you may have you should be able to enjoy the things that you miss and the things that you you know that you're used to eating or that you grew up eating and now you can't So that was always going through my mind and I graduated, I got, you know, what I call like a real job and I, and I worked my way up and I did stuff in HR and I, I found something I loved. But when I moved back from Chicago, I was like, you know what, this is the time. Like I'm 
you know, when you move to a completely different state, you're kind of starting over. Obviously, you need a new job. You know, there's things like so much that changes. So I felt like this is the time. And my sister, and my grandfather got diagnosed with celiac disease around that same time. So it was just the perfect storm of everything. And I just decided to, to just go for it. And I mean, I still like, you know, didn't jump completely in. I slowly transitioned out of my job. I, you know, I was definitely, it was a side hustle for a little bit, but probably about three, four months. And, and I finally jumped into starting at that point, Sweet Note Bakery, which we always did bagels, but we were also doing sweets at the very beginning because that, those were the recipes that I had kind of already had. The bagel recipe, I had to spend a lot of time working on. It was not easy. So it took me mm-hmm. um, about three, four months to come up with that recipe. So in the meantime, I was making money and starting to get the name out there by doing scones and banana bread. So some of like my very, very first customers remember that Sweeto Bakery used to do like scones, blueberry scones and banana bread at the very beginning. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. Do yeah, you- they were so good, but they were like dairy, egg. Like at that point, I was just focused on gluten-free. So they were like, you know, all the things that we wouldn't use now but mm-hmm. that was the very beginning do you know about sweet freedom bakery? i do yeah yes. i remember seeing them on the food network actually and that was a big thing that inspired me too was like seeing that wow look there they took this dream and opened up you know a bakery that is catering to these allergies yes i think i got things from them quite often <laughs> yeah there but that's that's so cool so how did you come up with the name greater need so the greater need was about four years ago that we transitioned to that. So for like the first four years, we were sweet note. When we moved to our facility that we're in now, so we jumped a couple times to a couple different facilities of the space that we're in now, I kind of like really realized who we were as a company, like four years in, I was kind of still figuring things out you know, what, what do we want to be? What do we stand for? And over those years, you know, we started out as just gluten-free. And then over the years we had had originally, we had egg in our product and we also used sesame in our everything seed blend and going to trade shows and like meeting the consumers and just hearing what they were saying on social media and emailing us. We had a lot of people that were either vegan or had an egg allergy And I just started to really listen and say, you know what, that would be really cool if we could make something that did cater to all, like that was always my mindset. Mm -hmm. And so we developed a formula without the egg and, and then we made sesame is also a concern for a lot of people. And so we developed the everything seed blend, took the sesame out. And when we moved, I just felt like, you know, the name, like, it doesn't make sense. We're not doing scones or banana bread anymore. We were full focused on the bagels and, you know, the people that we sold to, like they loved it. Like they definitely, you know, that, that was what they were used to. So we got a little bit of resistance at first, but I think then once we came up with the name, people were like, okay, I get it. I actually hired a consultant to help me because I had spent like pretty much the day I started and we knew we were just going to focus on bagels, which was after a couple months in, I was like, oh, the name is just terrible. And I would call people and it would, they'd be like, sweet, sweet, no, sweet, what are you saying? And I'm like, right, this just doesn't work. You know, <laughs> like people couldn't understand it. The logo like didn't make sense. Like it just didn't capture who we were. We realized like our color was really red because it's about like being bold and just this whole journey of being like a woman owned business. And I I just really liked the color red and I knew I wanted a logo around that. And so I hired this guy because I just, the creativity was gone. Like Mm -hmm. I could not come up with a name. I was just like Michelle's bagels. Like that was the best I had. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I wanted to be better than that. So I hired this guy and he basically, you know, interviewed me, got to know me, got to know the story and came up with a bunch of, it was like 200 different names and just plays on different words. And so he didn't actually have the greater need as one of them, but he had like the greater bagel, the greater, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then he started having some words with a, a pun. Cause I was like, I like kind of like the pun. Yeah. And so I saw the word need and I just kind of like, okay, I'm trying to put words together. I couldn't come up with anything. And then I was driving home that night after spending probably like eight hours looking at this sheet of paper. And 
I'm just listening to music and it just popped in my head. I was like the greater need, you know, and I, I had to like pull over and call like everybody that I was working with at that time. I was like, I came up with it. This is it. <laughs> and then the logo just kind of flew from like, once we had the name, everything just fell into place. And I was yes. like, it is exactly who we are. It just felt so good. It was like, we finally found our name, you know, it, it just, it was a, everything amazing clicks. feeling. Everything yeah. clicks once you find a name. So a little bit about what I do. So Kaylee Elwell Designs, that's exactly what I do. I get to know small business owners and I get to know their story and I help them connect it with their brand. So I'm so happy that you have a similar story. Yeah. Because that's, yeah, it totally yeah. worked. I was nervous to spend money on something like that you know in your head you're just like oh come on like I can Mm -hmm. come up with a name but I'm so glad that I didn't it was actually a friend of mine in the business he has a soap company and he was like look you you got to use somebody like that's who we use he's amazing I'll make the recommendation but like you you need somebody from the outside like you're so close to it now you know and it's just like and none of us, I mean, at that point, you know, I had 10 people in the company and like, we all, the names were terrible that we were coming up with. Like it was, it was not good. So yeah, it, it was amazing. It was well worth it. And it was just a cool experience. I think through. so. That's like, that's something a lot of my customers say too. They're like, you think of things yeah. that I would never think of in a million years. And it's not because I'm not, yeah. you know, capable of thinking of those things. It's just, I'm too close to it. Yeah, so that's totally. a very good testimony right there. Awesome. So you also mentioned that you're woman owned and I saw that it was on the packaging as well, which I love. So why was that important to you to put that on the packaging? Well, like a couple reasons. I mean, the main reason for me is that I just feel like I, like I always knew that I wanted to have a business, but I never felt like I had the confidence to actually do it. And I was shyer. I wasn't very outspoken or outgoing. And I kind of like internally knew that I could if I really tried, but I just felt not confident enough. And I, once I started, I found that there are a lot of other women that have this dream, but sort of stop themselves and are like their own Mm -hmm. worst enemy. And I just connected with so many other people and still do like anytime I talk to like, it's very rare that I talk to a woman in business that is like, I had all the confidence in the world and, and just jumped right in. No worries, you know? And I just feel like, you know, we're, we're different in the way we think about things and we're so passionate about things. And it's amazing. Like I just imagine a world where more women ran things and owned things. And it just like would be just this beautiful place. So it, became just such a mission for me to like empower and inspire other women and share my story. And I actually do a lot of speaking at our local women's business development center or just different colleges, specifically towards women in manufacturing groups, things like that, because I just feel like the world would really be a better place if women ran more things and, and did more and followed their dreams. So being women owned to me, it's hopefully empowering or inspiring somebody. And also, you know, women are sort of known as like the main caretaker and statistically, and the marketing shows that we are the ones buying for the household and making a lot of those decisions for the children and feeding the family. And so to be able to say to a woman that picks up the package, like, Hey, I got you. Like I'm a woman too. I know what you're looking for. I'm in your shoes. You know, I know what it's like to have food allergies or intolerances or to have people in your life that have intolerances or allergies and I got your back. And so this seal of approval to just say like, I'm on, you know, we're on the same page. We're on the mm-hmm. same team. Oh, I love that. That people do need that. I feel like the world does need that small business market. Yeah. They do need more of that. What yeah. were some of, I call them gremlins. But what were some of your fears or like, were your, was your ego poking in at all when you launched? I mean, I know you said like you picked the name and everything started to click into place, but what were some of your fears starting really going forward within your small business? Oh my goodness. At the very beginning, I mean, it's still so vivid. Like I actually had to go to therapy because of the anxiety really? that I had, which I think, 
Yeah, and I think honestly, any yeah. any business owner probably should have a I good agree. therapist too because it's <laughs> it's so much inward yeah. looking. Like if you really want to push yourself, you really want to scale and get to the next level and keep growing. I think it's so much self reflection and self work and yeah. So, you know, very early on, I remember the day that I put in my notice at the place that I was working in HR, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to do it. I remember waking up and being like, okay, what, what time do I start? Like, what, what do I, what do I do? No one's telling yeah. me what to do. And I was so scared of making the wrong decision. And I remember just feeling so overwhelmed and like laying in bed and being like, I, I should probably be up now. And then I should probably like, what's the first thing I do? And, and when do I stop working? And it, it really sounds so silly now, but it was so such a strong feeling that I just didn't know what direction to go and what to do first. And, you know, slowly I put it together, but there would definitely be moments where I was just so mm-hmm. overwhelmed or I'd feel guilty that I wasn't working hard enough or, you know, doing enough. And I just had such this fear of not doing the right thing. I didn't necessarily fear failure because one of the things I always said in the back of my head was I can always go back to what I was doing. Like I feared more giving up than I did. Me too. Oh my God. Me too. Yeah. So, and I still do. I still do. I still am like, no, I will not give up. Like that is more of my fear. Like, you know, smack me down and have all these crazy things happen because that's life. But like, I will not succumb to that. That's Mm -hmm. my biggest fear that I will give, you know, I don't want to give up. And so that's what, that's like, I felt myself kind of giving up. I had all my friends, all my family, they were trying to do what they felt like was the right thing. And they were like, look, you know, you're really not doing well. Like they could tell how stressed I was, you know, I was not really sleeping that great. I was just going crazy. Anytime they talk to me, I'm like, crying. <laughs> like I'm always on yeah, the verge no, of tears. That's so, real, though. Um, that's so relatable. But I remember one of my best friends who knows me very well, like her advice to me was to give up. And I was like, no, well, like, no. And then I realized, you know what, I need to talk to a therapist. I need somebody, you know, not a friend, Mm -hmm. somebody who can support me in a different way that because a friend is looking out for me and they feel bad, like, oh my God, Michelle, look how stressed you are. This isn't worth it. But they don't realize like, no, like I, I want to overcome this. I know that I look like I'm a mess and I look crazy right now, but I really want to push through. And um, it was also around that time that I met my now husband and he's an entrepreneur. So that really, really helped me like having that support system and then going to therapy, which was something that he actually recommended because he had kind of been through, you know, something different, not as crazy as, you know, the feelings that I was having, but he definitely felt like I need to work on some things. I'm going to go to therapy. And the biggest thing, like my therapist, I was like, look, I don't want to talk about my past or like, I, this is what I need to focus on. You have to help me not give up. Like, this is what we need Mm -hmm. to focus on. And that's what I spent my time doing. And then eventually that transitioned into having a business coach because I felt like, okay, that actually makes more sense once I kind of learned more about that. And we just focused on, you know, the business and the skills and my confidence. But yeah, I think my biggest fear was actually giving up. I think that's, and it still is. And, you know, I mean, there's other ones, but that's probably the, the one that's like this. Yeah, that's huge. And I feel like so many more entrepreneurs, especially if they're starting out, need to hear that. Like you are not alone in that feeling of, okay, where do I, where do I start? And there are business coaches that can help you. I mean, I've been doing this on the side for seven years alongside a full-time job. But then once COVID hit and I lost my job, I was like, this is what I meant to do. And I don't know why I'm not doing it full-time. So I was the same way. I pushed forward. I pushed through everything. And then I just saw two things. I saw me being able to really deliver to my customers and really be there for my clients. And then I saw people start to doubt me and tear me down. And I did not want to give up like that just pushed me even more. But then the more that my business developed, I saw the more I had to dig deeper inside myself for what I really wanted and the outcome I really needed and how to develop my brand. And it was just a total oh wow <laughs> moment it is it yeah because it, it's a it, it is a lot of just self-work and self-reflection mm-hmm. and that is what I wanted I mean more so than anything like I loved baking 
all of that, but I could, I could work at a bakery and fulfill that passion for me. It was, I always had this dream of having my own business and just controlling my own destiny and just doing something and proving to myself, I guess that I could do it. Cause I always was that shyer person that had this voice, but I wouldn't let it out. So it's like, I always knew I was capable of stuff, but I would always like sit in the back. Like I was never front and center. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, but I was the type of person that was like, I could totally act in that play, but I'm never going right. to try it out. You know, I'm going to sing the songs and pretend I'm on Broadway, <laughs> like in my, my, my comfort of my sure. own room. And it was like, you know, I would always look at other entrepreneurs and be like, I could do that. I know I could do that. And, but then I wouldn't. And I think finally it just hit me. You know, I started when I was 27 and not that that's old by any means, but I knew since I was 17 that this is what I want to do. Why is it now 10 years later? I kept saying to myself one day, one day, one day. And I'm like, okay, Michelle, you're 27. Mm -hmm. When's the day? Like what's the same for me? And that, yeah. And I just, it's like, it was like just this sort of slap in the face of like, now is the Mm -hmm. time and you just got to, you just got to do it and figure all the details out. And it was amazing because once I put my intention to it, that was when my sister, my grandfather and the whole celiac disease. I'm like, okay, there's something with that. I could do something with that. You know, I had the opportunity to move back home. So that was a great place because at least I was around my support system and, you know, the people that knew me the best. And it was just all these things just started coming into, into place, but man, it's, it's a lot of perseverance to get to that. Absolutely. How does social media play a part within your business and within you being a small business owner? Social media, well, we use for the most part, it's Facebook and Instagram. I mean, Twitter is definitely helpful. We don't see a whole lot of like business coming from that, but it's nice like engagement with some customers and fans and things like that. And then YouTube, we've kind of played around with LinkedIn. I don't use a whole lot, but we are on there. And then TikTok we've been playing around with because, you know, what else is there to do when you're quarantined, but play on TikTok. So that's been just kind of fun. We haven't seen much from it yet, but it's been a fun like outlet. And the team has a good time oh, yeah. doing, you know, silly videos. And actually at the start, like I had always wanted to do advertising, but I always felt like, I don't know, like the beginning of how to even do all that. And so once quarantine started and we realized that people weren't really going to the stores anymore and we needed to make sure that they knew that they could buy from us directly, that really pushed me to really focused. And I'm actually in the middle of doing this like free class that I found on how to market better on Facebook and Mm -hmm. Instagram. So I'm still in the process, but I just kind of jumped in and I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk to a Facebook marketing expert because Facebook has some that you can reach out to and they helped me set everything up. And I just kind of went with it. I went with everything they recommended. Basically, I was like, just whatever. And it started working. And then we started getting feedback like we need to make some changes to our site, make it a little bit more mobile friendly. There's a couple things we kind of learned now that we have more traffic. So we're in the process of doing all of that. But it's been like so critical to getting the word out, especially right now. And especially that everybody's in front of their phones and, you know, a lot of people are working remote and having that access. So being able to engage on social media and have those advertisements has been huge. Absolutely. Do you get a lot of word of mouth recommendations, you know? Yeah, we do. We definitely do. I mean, you know, social media definitely helps get the word of mouth out there Mm -hmm. better, you know, and faster, but I think that that's probably the bulk of, of what we've done because we don't have a huge marketing budget to really build brand awareness any other way than, than word of mouth and, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram. So it really is like, you know, we try to do giveaways and things like that. We have an affiliate program. So if somebody's like really obsessed with our bagels, we see them posting all the time, Hey, become an affiliate. You can offer a discount code and get a little commission when people order. So we started setting that kind of stuff. Yeah. Up. As far as being once again, gluten-free and having all these dietary restrictions, which by the way, your website is so beautiful. And I love how you Thank really you. depict and list out all of the ingredients that you use. So it's not so much focusing on, it's not this, 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 it's these are the good natural things that you're putting into your body. What are, do you mind listing out all your flavors for everyone? Yeah. Yeah. So we have the plain everything in cinnamon raisin, which are your more traditional ones. Um, and then we have our, the rest of our seeded bagels, which are tops. So that's poppy, onion, garlic, salt. And then we have a tomato basil, which is 
my favorite. And then we have some sweet flavors. We have a chocolate bagel. It's more of like a chocolate chip, chocolate swirl. Uh, a pumpkin bagel, which we do actually keep all year round because people started complaining <laughs> when we only had it seasonal. So we we're like, okay, fine. It's no big deal to us. We'll leave it on the website all year round. And then we have French toast and snickerdoodle, which is similar to French toast, but like not as sticky, but still has like that cinnamon sugar kind of mm-hmm. topping. I think I got them. Do yeah, you have a rainbow right. one? Well, we used to. Okay. So we used to have a rainbow one. We So many people have asked us to bring it back. So we're thinking about it. The problem was that we, as we scaled, we kind of changed our machinery. We're not doing stuff by hand anymore. So it's like a blessing and a curse because unfortunately the rainbow bagel, you kind of have to do it by hand. And so it's just finding the time and and seeing, you know, if it makes sense for us to, to bring that back. Now that we have a bigger reach online, I think we may start to play more like with some flavors like that. So the rainbow bagel, we had a blueberry one for a little while. So we're thinking about bringing that back. And we're also thinking about doing like a bagel of the month mm-hmm. kind of thing. So having like a fun contest with our customers and on social media to help us develop like a, a limited edition flavor. So those are all the things that we're working on once we get the new site going, but it's, it's definitely on the list. I'm so excited about that. So I've only ever had the everything, but I mean, I was buying them from my health food store, like in bulk. I was just like, like eating them so often because it was the first time that I found, I mean, I've tried so many gluten-free brands out there, but nothing tasted the way that yours did. Like you said, it has the right density to it. It has the right amount of crust to it. It has a good flavor. It has a good consistency. I mean, this was such a golden find me when I found that that I was like I need to tell her (laughs) this is the best food ever invented I'm so glad that you did me too what's the flavor that you feel like is most requested I know you said it was cinnamon raisin plain and everything yeah so like everything is probably our number one seller and then plain is like tied for first like sometimes like it's it's pretty close and then cinnamon raisin but then I would say like after that french toast it people are pretty yeah with that I want to try your salt bagel that's my next thing because yeah. like I said the retailer that's near me that has them only sells the everything right yeah so we do we get a lot of places like depending on how big their freezer yeah. section is hey I only want to carry your top flavor or your top two or your top three so we typically don't get a lot of places that will carry more than our Mm -hmm. top three. So that's where we sort of have that creative fun outlet for our website where we can sell all of our fun. Yeah. And that's a really good place to, to kind of drive more traffic to your brand and to your website and to get to know who you guys are. Yeah, exactly. I kind of feel like, you know, we, we realized that we didn't want to just be a retail brand on the shelf, like having that relationship directly with the consumer was really important to us, you know, for so many reasons, but one to like really connect with them directly rather than through a retailer. So if you only know us because you see us on the shelf, you know, then you don't really get to know us and we don't get to know you. And what else would you like to see us do? What's important to you? What do you like about the bagel? What maybe don't you like about the bagel? And so it's been really great to be able to build that direct to consumer relationship. And that's been kind of one of the silver linings of everything that we've been going through the last couple months and, you know, seeing the volatility of like our bagel shops and our retail partners going up and down and wondering like, okay, what are we going to do? But it's really allowed us to say like, we, we have to build this really close relationship. You know, we had what I thought was a decent one, but we, it's so much stronger now and we definitely have lots of room for improvement. And I'm excited for all the things we have in store to really better that relationship. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I'm so excited for my listeners to find you in their local grocery stores. Talk a little bit about how you choose your retailers, because the retailer that I found you in is not, it's a mom and pop shop. It's not like your average stop and shop or giant or you know? Yeah. So when I first started, we actually had never really intended to sell into retail because I was so intimidated by branding and the packaging and, you know, getting onto the shelf and like, what does that even entail? And so 
it was one of those, like, even though I sort of always wanted it, I did doubt myself that I could really brand and, and do that. And again, like, yes, could I hire somebody? But at that point, you know, we were startup. I got turned down by every bank that I went to, especially at the beginning. And so I had my credit card and that was that. I had to be really cautious of what I was spending money on. So at the very beginning, we started selling to bagel shops and cafes because I could just give it to them in bulk. They'd put it on the menu. I'd give them like a little window cling that said at that point, Sweet Note Bakery and now Greater Need. And it would sell. And then over time, we had people request like, hey, I want to get this at Whole Foods or my local, you know, whatever store it is. So we had people that would reach out to the buyers of those stores. And, you know, especially if they had a close relationship. And so our first couple accounts came that way. And then that's how we got set up with this one distributor that is most likely who delivers to the mom and pop that you got mm-hmm. the bagels that they were one of our first distributors to carry it. They specialize in like 400 mom and pop stores along the East coast. And we felt like that's such a good fit because these are retailers that are run by people yeah. like us versus a bigger organization. And we weren't ready for that. Cause I didn't even know like what price should my bagels be? What what are the top selling flavors at that point? Like I I didn't know a whole lot, but a lot of these store owners were willing to work with us because they liked that we were either like local or woman-owned or we were small and they could be the first one to carry this really cool new gluten-free bagel. So that's how we got started. And then as a strategy, we kind of were like, well, these places, it it doesn't cost a whole lot to work with them. They're not expecting, like a lot of these bigger retailers expect slotting fees, really intense marketing mm-hmm. programs, demoing, stuff that really costs a lot of money. And so we started kind of dabbling in that when we got a few larger retailers and we ended up kind of having to pull away from that and scale back a little bit because we were running out of money doing it that way. So I realized like these mom and pops, like we sort of went back to like grassroots, like what worked at the beginning. It was the bagel shops, the cafes and the small mom and pops that understand that we don't have this huge budget and that our actual customers of our product and excited about the product. So they're helping to sell it too. And it's more of a partnership than just this, like looking at the statistics on a chart saying, oh, your product doesn't sell fast enough. You're, you're out of the shelf, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's kind of how we went with that approach. And we're still, we're still learning like this brand awareness game is, is hard to play, especially on a big scale at the big retailers. So we're still kind of figuring that out before we really try to go back to the more mass um, retailers. That's amazing. So what are some of the retailers that people can find you in? So Wegmans is going to be like the main one that we're pretty much in every single location. That's all on the East Coast. We have some shop rights because those are independently owned by different families. So we have a few of them. There is a whole list like on our website. Yes, if you put in your zip is. code, mm-hmm. you can see what's close to you. And then we have Mom's Organic Market, which is another small, smaller East Coast chain and uh, some Whole Foods as well. Awesome. So it kind of depends on where you live. If you don't live on the East Coast, unfortunately, we most likely don't. We have like a few sort of random ones kind of spread out. But then you can order on yes. our website. That's awesome. That's so cool. Do you feel like when you finally got into like Wegmans and the bigger retailers, is that when you popped or did you kind of pop and have that unexpected slash expected success before then? Well, see, the problem with me is I feel like we like there's we never popped. <laughs> really? like, there's still so much more to do. <laughs> yeah. Like I just feel like there's still so much more like maybe – I don't know. Like, okay. I, for three years, it took me to get into Wegmans. And I remember being like, okay, when we get into Wegmans, like we made it, like we did it. You know, Wegmans is just, they're, they're really known, especially in the gluten-free world, Mm -hmm. but just as a retailer, it's one of the best ones to be at. They do a nice amount of volume So it's a nice, you know, revenue boost and all those things. And it took three years. I mean, she kept saying, no, 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 no. And then finally, for whatever reason, she decided to give us a try. (laughs) And we've been in there 
ever since. But the day that it happened, like literally now I, 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 I really do like, I try to get excited and I do like on many days I am very excited, but I, it never really gave me that like, okay, now we made it. Cause I was like, okay, now we got to stay on the shelf. So every day I wake up with a little bit of panic that like, is today the day that they're going to tell us they don't like us anymore. Like it's just one of those weird things. And honestly, that's why I, I kind of had to mentally pull myself out of expanding into retail because I, it, it was like, I lived or died by the yeses or the nos. And that was like my whole self-worth and the success of the company was how many retail stores we were in. So at one point, you know, we were in 3000 retail stores and that meant something to me to say that. But then at the end of the day, our bottom line was really struggling because we were spending all this money trying to stay in those stores. And I had to really do a lot of like soul searching on like, what does success mean to me? And I don't know. So I, I just feel like definitely there are pockets of areas where people do know who we are. And so that has been exciting. And I definitely think having places like Wegmans and getting some PR and things like that, like very early on, we were in the Philadelphia Inquirer. So that definitely kind of helped us pop at that level. But we definitely haven't popped on like a national scene. So, you know, I mean, I'm still I'm still working on it, but I'm trying to kind of like slowly get there and make sure mm -hmm. that like I don't get too blindsided by like the how big we are and you know I don't know you want to stay humble right now. yeah yeah and I think like it to me over the years I've now sort of changed my definition of success because before it was all about how many stores we were in and how much revenue we were making and now I'm starting to look at how much profitability we have like that that's actually more important because we'll be more sustainable if we're actually making money every year rather than losing money. And it's very easy in the food industry to get caught up in the losing money oh, game sure. because you're so focused on expanding across the country. And that sometimes is an okay strategy. If your strategy is to grow really fast and sell the company, then sometimes that is exactly what you need to do. And so it's easy to get caught up in that and to idolize that and see other people doing that and be like, ah, oh, that is so, they're so successful, you know? So yeah, I've really changed a lot in the last couple of years, what we focus on and how we grow. Is there an ultimate vision or goal for the greater need that you have? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately we're right now we're working on this idea of profitability and really working on our bottom line, getting our margins better, making more profit, you know, becoming more sustainable as a company so that we can really afford to grow. And then overall, it is to grow that brand. It's to get back out there, to get in front of the consumers. And whether that's on the retail shelf or a really, really strong direct-to-consumer strategy, like I'm flexible with that. The end goal is just to get more people to know about us, to have our products, to expand our product line, and just be a brand that, that people can trust and enjoy and come to for all of their allergen-free needs. Um, and I think also making just a bigger impact in the allergen-free community and industry. So like we do what's called co-packing or manufacturing for other brands. So because we have our own facility, one of the other sort of businesses that we run is a whole manufacturing operation where we make other allergen-free products for other brands. So we don't get the credit for it. Nobody knows. It's very kind of behind the scenes, NDAs, things like that. But it really makes me feel great that, okay, we might not be able to expand in, into brownies and cookies and all different breads and things like that because we only have the bandwidth to really focus on bagels and one day the pretzel. <laughs> but we can support these other companies mm -hmm that are making these great products. Like it doesn't all have to be me and my recipe and my brand. So I'm kind of like the future, you know, could it be that we become more of a co-packer and more of a behind the scenes? Like I'm okay with that, but I always kind of want to have this, the greater need brand where we can sort of just have fun with, you know, creating great products and putting it out there. So it's sort of like the co-packing is going to kind of pay the bills and, still kind of help us achieve the mission of creating allergen-free food to hopefully ultimately fuel the brand and, and build the brand in a, in a more sustainable way than getting into tons of debt, which is the path that we were going down. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's wonderful. I think that's 
amazing and that's such a great goal to have and you are staying humble it seems like through that vision I mean I've been telling all of my gluten-free friends about you (laughs) and and spreading the word that way so towards the end of the podcast I always have this little game that I like to call brains behind the brand. I had someone the other day tell me that I help put the human back in small business. <laughs> so oh, the whole awesome. purpose behind brains behind the brand is for, you know, my listeners to get to know you a little bit better aside from the beautiful story that you just shared. So it's a okay, couple cool. questions that are quick fire. It's either this or that type questions. And then I have a couple questions that it's just real quick, just whatever comes first to mind. Okay. So, because we both share Philadelphia, Eagles or Phillies? Eagles. Pats or Genos? Genos. <laughs> Historic district <laughs> or center city? Historic. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Pumpkin or cinnamon spice? Pumpkin. What's the best business book you've ever read or the best business podcast you've ever listened to? So right now I'm reading Scaling Up by Vern Harnish mm-hmm. and um learning so much. And that's actually why I changed a lot of my strategy about profitability and things like that. So that's been a life-changing book. That's awesome. I have so many. My whole nightstand is just stacked with books right now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What music do you guys put on at work if you do? So yeah, we do actually. It is a very strange assortment that I do not pick. They all pick (laughs) because they're baking and, you know, they need to be in the zone and I'm usually in my office working on stuff, but anywhere from like some kind of like seventies disco stuff to rap, to pop, to, we have a couple people who are really into like heavy metal, which gets a little intense. (laughs) That stuff stresses me out, but we go like full range. I mean, there's times when it's like Disney music and like Broadway show tunes. That's (laughs) awesome. It sounds like such a good culture. What about music that you put on at home? I am really into Michael Bublé and like Sinatra and mm, things like that. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm a sucker for good, like my, what my husband calls like bubblegum pop. That's fun to sing along to and stuff like that. But if I'm like cooking or just trying to kind of hang out, like I'm putting on a Michael Bublé station and it's playing stuff like, you know, Frank Sinatra and, and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. We listen to that stuff too. What's the best dairy-free and gluten-free dish that you wish everyone could try? Oh, well, oh man, there's so many. See, I'm like such a weirdo that like I I almost never make the same thing twice because I just like to try so many things. But I would say like any sort of like using either like oat milk because that's been a great Mm -hmm. substitute now or like a cashew cream to make any kind of like sauce dairy free. So like a vodka sauce, you can use either the oat milk or the cashew cream. So I was, or like I made like a, Oh my gosh, like a beef, a beef. Well, it was a mushroom stroganoff. There's so many, I, this is a tough <laughs> one for me because uh, one thing about me is like, I don't have, it's hard for me to have a, fav- a favorite, like, favorite anything. Yeah. Yes. Because I like variety. Like I can't actually, what might be my favorite thing this week is definitely not next week. Cause mm-hmm. then I'm like sick of it. Right. So I would just say like anything like mac and cheese, like making that with these dairy-free substitutes. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 What's the best advice that you could give others starting or maintaining a small business? To just move forward and, and just like, just to keep going, like persevere and know that you, there's always a solution. And sometimes you can't see it and maybe you need to take a couple of days and feel sorry for yourself and be like, there's no solution and this all sucks and it's over. And then on day three, you say, yeah, no, okay, here's the solution and let's move forward. Like you can go through those little pockets of doubt and, and have those moments, but know that there is a solution. And when you're ready to sit down and find it, you'll find it and you can move forward. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so true. It just keep going. And yeah. I have one question that I ask all of my guests And that is if you could leave the world with only a one word impression of you or the work that you do, what would that word be? It would be empower. Empower. Why empower? Because I really hope that I make people feel empowered to follow whatever their, their dream is Mm. or do whatever it is that they dream. I love that. Kids just came out with a whole design where they have shoes that say empower all over them. 
Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And then can you please tell everyone where to find you? Yeah, so you can find us online at thegreaterneed.com, which is K-N-E-A-D. And then on Instagram, we are at glutenfreebagel. And on Facebook, uh, we are The Greater Need. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. This has been so wonderful. Yeah, thank you. And everybody, please go try Michelle's bagels, The Greater Need. They're absolutely delicious. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. This is awesome. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in learning more about today's guest, please check the show notes below for all the links. If you are or know someone who would be a great fit for the podcast and is a local small business owner with a story to tell, please visit www.kayleeelwelldesigns.com forward slash what you said podcast. Until next time.